Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Acts, chapter 28. Here's Pastor Ryan. This morning, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 28. That, that's Acts chapter 28. We'll be beginning in verse 11. And Father, we thank you again this morning for your goodness in our life, Lord. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and all the living creatures. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts as we study your word. Do a mighty work of your spirit, Lord. Give us humble hearts, Lord. Teach us new things, Lord, the things that we need for today. Help us to receive it, Lord. We ask for your grace. We ask that it would be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, well, in the book of Acts chapter 28, as you know, Paul the Apostle is in chains for his faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the Jews in Jerusalem have turned him over to the Romans in hopes that he would be condemned to death, uh, not for anything evil that he did, but for simply uh, preaching Jesus Christ as a Messiah. And this is what uh, the religious Jews would not receive. He had trouble throughout his missionary journeys with the religious Jews not receiving uh, uh, the gospel. Uh, and he had better luck with, uh, or better fruit with the Gentiles. And so in our story, as you know, he was in Caesarea for two years, jailed. But when the religious Jews would not relent, uh, he appealed his case to be heard before the emperor of Rome. And as a Roman citizen, you know he was able to do that. And so Julius the centurion, along with Luke, the beloved physician, the writer of uh, the book of Acts, is, is with them. He's a companion. 276 persons get on a ship with Julius the centurion, and they're heading uh, to Rome. And as you know, they got into trouble along the way. They ended up uh, at the island of Crete, where Paul encouraged them to stay put because it was winter time and it was dangerous for anyone to be on the Mediterranean at that time. It was a, a three month winter months, everyone stopped sailing, but Julius the centurion said no, and he listened to the helmsman and the owner of the ship. And so they take off, and sure enough, a storm hit them. And uh, 600 miles later, and they're all going to perish, the Lord appeared to, to Paul uh, through an angel and said to him, everyone's going to be fine, but everyone must stay on board. Don't sh jump ship. And, and sure enough, they listened to Paul, and they ended up being shipwrecked on the island of Malta, uh, 60 miles south of Sicily, and no lives were lost. So God's promise uh, came uh, to pass. And, um, and they're there at that island of Malta. But not by accident. The Lord is behind Paul's life as the Lord is behind your life and mine. Many believe that things are just chance or just by accident. But we know as believers in Christ that all things are, 
are, are worked out by God in our lives as we yield to him. And no doubt the Lord wanted the gospel message to hit Malta. He cared about the people there on that small island, and so that's where they landed. And uh, the natives, as, as we read last week, were very hospitable to Paul and all the men and started a fire for them. It was unusual kindness, the Bible said. And as Paul helped out with the gathering of the wood, a viper came out from the heat and, and uh, bit him. So the natives thought, oh, this guy must be a bad guy. I mean, the, the sea didn't destroy him. It almost did. But now look at a viper has attached himself to him. Surely this guy's a murderer. They were expecting him to swell up and, and pass out. But when he did it, you know, they changed their minds and said, oh, he must be a god. And so Paul and the rest of them were there for three months uh, uh, during the winter months. And he ministered to the governor of the island and uh, healed his father who was sick with uh, dysentery and fever. And uh, the whole island, that you, whoever was sick, heard about this and began to go to Paul. And Paul laid hands on all those who were sick and, and healed them. So the gospel was, was there for three months being preached and people were being healed spiritually and physically. And uh, we read at the end of uh, uh, or verses 10 and, and uh, 9 that they honored them. And Luke would say they honored us with, uh, in many ways. And also they... Uh, when they departed, they provided for such things as were necessary. So in gratitude, the people that they were ministering to honored them in many ways. And that's a good reminder to us that as we seek to be obedient to the Lord's word, seek to strengthen our relationship with him every morning, every afternoon, every evening. And we understand that God's uh, guiding us providentially. He provides for our needs. When we obey Him, when we're open to be used by Him, He provides for our needs. And some of us need that reminder because it's Christmas time and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe financially some of us are struggling and we wish we can get more gifts, we can buy more things. And the Lord would just say to us, you know, honor me, honor the Lord, obey His word, seek to draw closer to him seek to do what he wants you to do seek to be used by him to help others know him and god will provide for your needs i'm living proof of it like i you know when i got saved i had nothing I had no education i had no uh idea what i was going to do for a living i didn't know i was be in the ministry i had nothing i was broke and you know, the Lord began to build my life, one day at a time, learning to trust in Him, learning that if I just seek Him every day, obey His Word, not play games with Him, but just really live for Him, that He'll begin to build my life and provide for my every need. And He did. And throughout the years, He has, and He still is. Paul reaped the material blessings from the islanders, because he took care of their spiritual needs. 
He would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, Even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Jesus, with the disciples, when he sent them out in Luke chapter 10, verse 4, he said to them, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the way. Jesus wanted his guys to understand the concept that when they obey him, and are open to be used by God to help others know him, he'll provide for them. That's why he said, don't take, don't take these things with you. You're going to watch God provide. And that is a biblical truth, just like, uh, and it's as solid as gravity. What goes up must come down. If we obey the Lord daily and are open to be used by him, he will provide. Where God guides, he provides. And the provision sometimes becomes scarce because we make excuses for not obeying and not building that relationship and not being available as a vessel to be used by God. It's almost like a car. The Lord praying for gas when we have cars that we're not going to drive. You know, the Lord would say, first, first I want a heart that is willing to drive that car and then I'll provide the gas. He wants hearts that are willing to obey like Paul be opened by Paul to be used. Then, then we see the Holy Spirit move powerfully, but also the provisions are there when God's behind it. Well, just a nice reminder. And so, verse 11, after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at that island. And so there was another uh, Alexandrian ship that had wintered there that they found. Uh, those were grain ships that would bring grain up from Alexandria, northern Africa, all the way up to Rome. So it can fit 276 persons. And Luke writes that the figurehead on that ship were the twin brothers. Um, King James Version, which is the best version we can get, actually gives the twin brothers names which is Castor and Pollux who were the sons of the mythological god Zeus and Lena and so you know these figureheads these two brothers sons of Zeus and Lena mariners you know those who you know went about the seas thought that those figureheads brought them good luck and you would think out of all the things to put in the bible why would Luke put that there that detail there well, there's a contrast between the Greeks who worship knowledge, who have uh, mythological gods, who are superstitious, and the barbarians, and there's a difference between Christians. You see, the Greeks were very uh, superstitious. The barbarians were very superstitious. But I think this is in here for the God, God to remind us that we as Christians should not be superstitious. We shouldn't be superstitious. We shouldn't believe in good luck, bad luck, lucky charms, or happy rabbits, or rabbit's feet. Or this, or you know, this is my lucky color. Things like that. When we come to the Lord, these things should go away. I remember as a young man, nobody taught me this, but it's just the sinfulness of, of human nature that I'd, I'd flip a quarter in the air, blah, 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 blah. And if I called it right, my day was going to be good. And, you know, if I called heads and it was tell, I'd do, you know, two out of three because I really wanted the day to go. What? Who taught me? Nobody. That's how sinful the human heart is. We make up gods. We make up 
luck charms. We, we want good fortune as sinful, lost people. Right? Amen? No? I mean, I drive by the Catholic Church and do the whole cross, the sign of the cross thinking, you know, I'm living in sin, but I think that's going to give me good, God's going to bless me, even though I'm living in complete sin and in rebellion towards him. The zodiac sign. As a security guard, I'd read a lot of different things. You know, I, was, I did security for some years. I thought, okay, well, what does it say about a Virgo today? Because I wanted my fortune to be good. I mean, isn't that the reason why we come to the Lord, one of them? Because in our heart, we know that our fortune has been terrible. That our souls are desperate and empty. And nothing satisfies in this world. And the world is grabbing at straws. The Greeks were. The barbarians were. We were. But when we come to Christ, our fortune chained, changed forever for the good. And it doesn't matter if we get hit by a truck. Our fortunes in Christ are amazing. Blessed forever. Let's shut off phones. Yeah. <laughs> I say that because um, they've been going off recently. <laughs> so it's just a reminder. But um, our fortunes changed when we came to Christ. It's good. No matter what, it's good. And Healthy believers accept that. Healthy believers accept that. You know, things can go wrong in my life, but I'm falling forward because I'm going to heaven. I can be persecuted. I can go through trials. I can be hated on. I can be, be ill physically. I can be vexed. I can be broken hearted over issues, but I'm still falling forward. My fortune is still good because I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Your fortune is good. It's going to get better. And he takes us from one good to the next good. From faith to faith. We all have hard days. We all, you know, wake up thinking, oh my gosh, all creation groans. Even our dogs and cats, they look like they can't live another day sometimes. Right? They stretch. They, they oh, my back. You know, they, they, you look at their expressions and creation does groan. Jesus, come, they're saying, you know their body language and we have days like that but we're falling forward we're progressing if our relationship uh, we build it in christ in romans eight twenty eight, it says and we know that all things are working together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purposes there's no need to be superstitious there's no need to trust in false luck charms all things are promised to work together for good to those who are called, who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that, and that is, a, that is a, a prerequisite for those who love God. In Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight. You want, we want good fortune. We want things to go right. Then let's delight ourselves in the Lord. Let's live righteous lives before him. Let's do what his word actually says. And we can guarantee that he'll give us the desires of our heart. Because when we do what he says and we're building our relationship with him, our desires are changing and being molded to, to be the desires that God wants for our lives. Haven't our desires changed? 
Our desires change, just like kids change with what they want for Christmas, right? One year it's this, the next year it's that. And as believers, as human beings who know God, he changes the things that we desire. And Lord, I do want to desire only what you desire for my life. And so they took off from there and landing at Syracuse, the modern Italian for Syracuse is Syracusa, Syracusa. And so they're there, and Syracusa is a southeastern, the southeastern part of Sicily. The southeastern part of Sicily. They go there, and, uh, and that, that city was founded by the ancient Greeks. Oh, how I want to go to Sicily. You know, I hear it's very Greek there. Um, and then landing from there... Oh, we stayed three days, Luke writes. And then verse 13, from there, we circled round and reached uh, Regium. And Regium is uh, modern-day Regio uh, Calabria, which is, the, which is a city at the tip of the boot of Italy, the mainland of Italy. And um, <clears throat> it's right, uh, it's in that peninsula. it's called in the peninsula called the Strait of Messina. So it's that you have Sicily, you have the tip of the boot, so they went straight up and landed uh, at Reggio uh, Calabra. And, uh, uh, and after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we went to Puccioli, uh, which is... Uh, Posuli, I think, in Italian, which is 150 miles south of, of Rome, and it's in modern-day uh, Naples. And I'm looking at the travelers in our, in our church. But Naples, right? So it's a big seaport there that they came to, um, uh, Pozzoli, And it says here that uh, uh, the next day they came there and... They found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appia Forum, Appi Forum, and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And so we see here that Paul first runs into uh, believers there in Naples and that is you know to not be understated how a wonderful event that must have been for Paul and his companions it had been three years since he wrote the epistle to the Romans and Paul had never been to Rome he heard about the church he wrote the book of Romans to them it had been three years no doubt it had been circulated and the church was tremendously blessed by that letter, as we are today. The book of Romans is a, an amazing, doctrinal, encouraging book about our salvation, about redemption. And so him running into brethren at Rome for the first time must have just been a spectacular blessing for Paul. It just can't be understated. Um, we don't know how the church was planted there, but most commentators believe that during the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, that day at the feast, and Peter preached, and many got saved, and they spoke in tongues, and 
at the beginning of Acts that someone there from Rome got saved and took the gospel back and the church started. But nonetheless, Paul wrote the letter to them and really had a heart for them, desired to see them. And mind you, he's in chains. Mind you, he doesn't know how things are going to work out. So to see the brethren, it must have been an amazing thing. What he, said in the, what he says in the book of Romans in that first chapter really speaks to how much he was looking forward to seeing them one day. In Romans 1, it says, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So you see, he had great love for the brethren in whom he had never met. He just heard about their faith, but yet he had such a love for them. I mean, that's the love of God in someone's heart, to have that kind of love. The body of Christ is big around the world. And, you know, there's the essentials that we believe in that are essential, and there's non-essentials. We need to understand that we do have brethren in countries that we probably will never visit, who love the Lord just like we do, who honor his word like we seek to honor his word. And, and we have to have a love for them. We have to be prayerful for those around the world, to have that kind of love for brethren everywhere, everywhere, because we need each other really desperately in these times. The brethren were so blessed to hear that Paul was coming that it says here that, that they came down from Rome toward them. And uh, they came uh, for, for as far as Appi Forum and three inns. And so as Paul and, and the group was making their way up the Appian Way, up the road to Rome, the Christians in Rome would not wait for him to arrive. They went down to meet him. It was, it was such a blessing for them the one who wrote that letter, that they went down to him. They wouldn't wait. There was that excitement, that love, that gratitude for the words of God that he sent to them in that letter. So they went down. Isn't that amazing? He's going towards them. They're going towards him. And in verse 15, it says that they came to meet us as far as. <clears throat> now the word to meet there in Greek is apenthesis. Uh, apentesen in the Greek which is translated uh, as an infinitive meaning uh, or, or that it was it's used that term is used in Greek literature uh, of an entourage coming out to a city to meet an official uh, uh, going to the city so to meet is the infinitive uh, meaning of an entourage that would go out to meet an, an honorable official. And that's the heart of the folks going to Paul. They're an entourage, um, excited 
to give that honor to Paul, excited to meet him, I mean, to tell him how blessed they, they, they were from his writings, to an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, just to go. They had that kind of passion. They had that kind of love, which is a beautiful thing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 17, uh, uh, that verse that speaks of the rapture, uh, it says that, uh, that it speaks of believers being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We know that verse, right? To, that we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord. And it's that same word in Greek, to meet is a pantosin, uh, which means an entourage, an, an entourage excited to meet. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services. We now have two services on Sunday, one at 8.30 a.m. and again at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.